In this edition of the Owl's Nest Barbecue Show podcast, I'm joined by Kevin Sandridge of the Barbecue Beat podcast, and we're talking about the chef's table on Netflix, Tootsie Tominance, and Rodney Scott. Stay with us. Boy, I tell you what, if that music doesn't get you pumped up, I don't know what will. Welcome to the Owl's Nest Barbecue Show. Everyone, we're brought to you by Michelin Tires. When your family's car needs tires, Michelin Tires is what you should seek. We're also brought to you by Butcher Barbecue Products, all the great products from David Bosca and the gang over in Oklahoma. Injections, rubs, marinades, everything you need. Butcher Barbecue Products. Thanks to our broadcast partner, Backyard Smokers Barbecue, Wes Phillips and the gang over there at Backyard Smokers Barbecue on Facebook. If you have questions about barbecue, new, old, veteran, middle of the life barbecuer, Backyard Smokers Barbecue on Facebook, on Facebook is where you should start. Thank you, Jeff Maxwell, back at the remote ranch here in Ottawa, taking your comments and now folks you're going to really want to comment and talk about this subject that we're going to be talking about tonight i've got a uh, a bona fide barbecue expert this this guy knows more about barbecue than gosh most of the people he knows more about the aura of barbecue he is an expert an expert in barbecue. We'll be getting with him in just a second. Don't forget, you can follow us, the Owl's Nest Barbecue Franchise, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Instagram. All the shows, if you missed a show, you go, boy, I'd like to see that interview with Donnie Teal or David Bosca or Malcolm Reed or, or uh, Myron Mixon or uh, Tuffy Stone. All those are back on the YouTube channel. Just go to the Owl's Nest Barbecue YouTube channel, and you can see all of those interviews. Uh, click subscribe for for me if you would, and uh, just anything. There's a lot of good uh, research that you can do back there. Don't forget the Owls Nest Barbecue Store located in Ultawa, Tennessee, right off of I-75 on Exit 11. If you are traveling Exit 11, I'm sorry, I-75. If you're like going from Georgia to parts up north. We're at exit 11 when you get inside of Tennessee. We're about 10 miles after the border. Take the split. You go towards Knoxville. Look for exit 11. You get off the exit. You turn right at the red light. Look to your left. You'll see the Owl's Nest Barbecue Supply Store Pro Shop right there, right on the interstate. I'm going to, I'm going to introduce our next guest right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Sandridge in the house. I, I cannot believe this, Kevin, that you are... On the show, finally. Yeah, we've been uh, trying to make it happen for a little while, and schedules are what schedules are, and I'm glad we could finally get together. Kevin is the um, producer, director, host of Barbecue Beat podcast, and it is, without a doubt, one of the most popular podcasts in these United States. Kevin is in Winter Haven, Florida. He, I, you know, I call that the home of the barbecue, Florida barbecue mafia, because in your town, 
all those guys, you know, you hang around, you hang around with a, a pretty powerful group of barbecue, uh, barbecue competitors. And, um, I guess, uh, seriously, you could pick up the phone and go to any of these guys' houses and get a question answered where I have to call them and ask them to come on the show or, or text them. And you, know, you just drive over to the house, say, hey, Rub, show me how you do your, your prime rib that's the best in the world. Or, hey, uh, hey, Matt, show me how you make that peach barbecue sauce that's so good. Yeah. You're, you're just right down there with yeah. them. Yeah, Jim Elzer over in Lakeland yeah. as well. Sweet uh, Smoke Sweet, Q. That's right. I've got his so, yeah, stuff Swamp, in my store. Swamp Boys, Swamp Boys Barbecue, um, Hot Wachulas, and Sweet Smoke all within, you know, 30 minutes or so. I mean, Rub actually lives as the crow flies like a mile and a half to two miles from my house. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's been nice. Uh, you know, kind of coming up through the ranks, so to speak, with, with guys like that right around you that you can kind of learn from. And I've had the, the pleasure of attending classes hosted by all three of those gentlemen and uh, – they, they know what they're doing as their uh, competition results and products show. So, yeah. Jim Elzer had a GC last weekend. Why dude can cook. Yeah, I think uh, RGC, actually. RGC, yeah, RGC at, yeah. at, at uh, Banjo BQ, that was, no, that was no weak field he was competing in either. The, the, big, the, the, the big, uh, bigs of the bigs were there because everybody was hungry to compete. So that was great, great for him. We've got his stuff at the store. It sells great and uh, super guy. Uh, okay, Kevin, I'm going to connect you to me. I always like to do this when we start out with our guests. There's always a connection that we have, okay? And, and you don't know what it is, but I, I, I have found it. Um, Kevin went to Florida Southern College in Lakeland, Florida. Mm -hmm. Famous alums, other than Kevin Sandridge, Rocco, <laughs> Rocco Mediate, the last person to, who uh, challenged Tiger Woods in a uh, major at the 2010 U.S. Open. Hey. Golf team at Florida Southern is no joke. Lee Jansen, Masters champion. I was just going to say Lee Jansen, um, U.S. Open champion, I think. I don't think he won the Masters. Oh, okay. Uh, it doesn't matter, though. Um, he was on my list. Uh, 13 national championships in golf, by the way, for your alma mater. In case you were wondering, I was I, – I mean, that, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, at any school. I mean, <laughs> well, you don't have a football program. Golf and soccer are huge. Hey, and you know what is weird? That your school – and the local, um, the local arm of the University of Tennessee, the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, their nickname is the Mox. There you go, Moccasins, it, go Mox. Yeah, and the nickname of uh, Florida Southern College is the Moccasins. Now, is your mascot the big shoe, the big moccasin? Ours used to be a big shoe. No, kidding. that sounds about like uh, what is it? The universe. There's a there's a junior college in Arizona, and they're they're fighting artichokes. <laughs> yeah, that's. We this years ago we had a big a big moccasin that used to run around the basketball <laughs> and football courts, but now yeah, no, no. they they changed it and it's a uh, bird now. It's the mocking bird, and they shortened oh, the name. Okay. They shortened the, the name to the mocks. Yeah. yeah, you're the yeah. moccasins. So, but isn't that weird? It's such a weird name for a team, and for two schools to have it. It's, it's it just, is. It, what's even weirder, Florida Southern is is a Methodist affiliated mm -hmm. institu, institu, ah, institution. Yes, it um, is. And you know, I don't have a single positive vibe coming at me from a water moccasin. You know what I mean? Like, there's <laughs> nothing redeeming. In fact, spiritually speaking, it's like the antithesis of everything. I mean, you know, the yeah. origin story in, in Genesis pretty looks yeah. down pretty poorly on. Here, eat this. It thanks, won't hurt anything. By some accounts, yeah. that's right. Um, the most famous alums, though, are, there's a couple of them, and I'm going to, Carol Jenkins Barnett, does that ring a bell? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Her husband, uh, famed, Bar Barney. Named Publix family here yes. in Florida. Mm -hmm. She built several buildings on the campus. Uh, esti yeah. Estimated worth $2 billion. Yeah, she's not doing too bad. No. Grocery business has been good to her. Every time I get that sliced ham now, I'll... I'll, I'll think about her. Yeah, I think she actually also, uh, her name's on a recently constructed women's and children's uh, wing of the Lakeland Regional Medical Center. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's good PR, good vibes. Absolutely. She does a lot, a lot of good stuff. Uh, also famous alum, Jim France. Are you, you're shaking your head. Who's that? Chairman. I'm, like, I'm pulling for that one. CEO of NASCAR. Oh, well, there you go. Brian France's uncle. 
Okay. We probably won't be invited for Thanksgiving this year, probably. I'm, I'm not going to get the invite. No. <laughs> Net worth $1.8 But this is what connects us, Kevin. Back in 1938, the president of your college, Dr. Lud Spivey, sought out the famous architect, Frank Lloyd Wright. And he asked Mr. Wright to modernize the campus and to build the buildings in his uh, vision of what a college campus should be. And Frank Lloyd Wright built several buildings on your campus. And it is, matter of fact, the largest accumulation of Frank Lloyd Wright buildings anywhere in the world. That's right. And let me tell you what connects us now. And we're like brothers. I mean, we're, we're just... <laughs> okay. Frank Lloyd Wright designed the building that I go to work to every day of the week. My gas yeah. station. My gas station. Frank, That's awesome. My gas station was built in 1967 by the Chevron Oil Company, the old Standard Oil of California. Frank Lloyd Wright designed several service stations before his death in 1959. And our service station was built based on his drawings after his death. Cool. So every time you see a Chevron station, a Phillips 66, you know those old Phillips 66s with the, uh, the canopy that kind of goes up and they had those one, they had that one pole sticking out there that was crisscrossy or something like that. Uh, you're right. probably, I don't know, you're, you're probably a little young. You're, I know you're a lot no, younger I'm, I'm a big fan of, actually, uh, my great uncle owned a golf station in uh, Florida, uh, sorry, in, in Virginia. So it's one of those things where I'm always kind of looking at it. And I, I teach history, uh, so architecture oh. is my thing. I, yeah. I love it. So your campus, that where your heart lives, as mine lives in Knoxville at the University of Tennessee, you have Frank Lloyd Wright connection and me. So we're just... We, there you go. We should visit each other at Christmas time. <laughs> That's right. All right. Now, what 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 we're going to talk about tonight, though, is going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks everybody for piling in here. Great, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff, so much. And uh, <laughs> Brandon Newman says he loves my shirt. Uh, thanks. Um, uh, I want to be another shout out to Backyard Smokers Barbecue, West Phillips and the gang on Facebook sharing the broadcast too. We really appreciate it. What Kevin and I are going to talk about tonight, and I don't know if you saw it. Now, if you saw the beginning of the show, I kind of did a tribute to her. The Netflix series, The, Sh the Chef's Table, has done a series on, uh, uh, well, I'll say barbecue slash live fire. And um, I was watching it the other night, and I thought, this is so good. I, I want to talk about this with somebody. And Kevin, you, you came to mind because I, I listened to your podcast and, and you, you're so knowledgeable about the history of barbecue, not only barbecue present day competition, but the history of barbecue. I wanted to get you in here and, and talk. let's talk about this. And uh, let's start with the uh, episode. We'll start with episode one. And that was sure. Tootsie Tominets uh, from Texas. If I'm sure if you would be kind enough, Kevin, to give everybody the background on Tootsie, and, um, and just in case we need to catch up a few people. But uh, and I want everybody to chime in in the chat, too, and tell me what you thought. And I'll try to, um, I'll try to uh, lean over here, too, Kevin, while we're talking. And, and if they have questions for you, I'll, uh, I'll grab them, okay? Well, I mean, one of, the, one of the, you talk about barbecue history knowledge, preeminent individuals out there right now as far as barbecue history is Daniel Vaughn with Texas Monthly Barbecue. And I was so pleased to see that, I mean, of course, they're going to reach out to him uh, to, provide, to provide a lot of the backstory there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tootsie and her husband both, I think after a time, her husband initially, but then she followed up with, worked in a, a, a storefront there, you know, in Texas. And, uh, you know, over time, she sort of, she sort of started to, to pick up little tasks in the store uh, ranging from seasoning meats to, to watching over them to eventually taking over a large part of what was happening there from what I understand and and you know he again this the chef's table series is so great because it contextual it contextualizes the 
figures they focus on. It's not just them in the kitchen. That you get a little bit of what they've gone through, uh, different trials, tribulations, life, life lessons, journeys, what have you, to get to where they got to the point where they're on the show, right? It's not just like here's a great person, here's what they do next. You know, right. you get the storyline, and and so as you know, things progressed with Tootsie. Like her husband ended up having a stroke after getting some, um, I think it was like a, an intravenous sort of scan done of some kind, you know, and Car- uh, carotid artery. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and, and he really, though he eventually recovered, she had to stop. They had to basically put everything off at the, at the store. You know, yeah. they had purchased it over time and, and they had to, that all went by the wayside, um, just so she could look after him. And, when he finally did pass away, she, you know, she needed connection. She didn't, she realized how much she liked working with people. And a friend of her said, well, just come work at the local school mm-hmm. and in a custodial fashion. And she quickly became, you know, a very steadfast fixture of that school community. And, and, you know, sometime after that, you know, she had a, an, an offer basically to, um, I think, um, it was Carrie Bexley, right? Decided to purchase um, an older building there and uh, wanted to make a go of it with barbecue. And so yeah. he ended up basically saying, hey, look, I can't start a barbecue place in Lexington and not have Tootsie involved. Yeah, he was, he was worried that if he started a barbecue place. Bad juju. That's yeah, right. and then if Tootsie wasn't a part of it because he had gone to her place as a child, and remembered right. purchasing food, and uh, and we have to remember too now. This lady, she's eighty five years old. It's not like she's, you know, she's not like she's uh, thirty five. Yeah. I think I'll, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. some tragic thing. She is eighty five years old. Go go ahead, Kevin. No, no, she's. I mean, and he, she was pretty. I loved it, man. She really said that, you know, they were going to open snows. They call it snows because I guess when before Carrie was born. I think they, his mom and dad were talking to his older brother at the time, you know, hey, like, what do you, you know, what, I don't know if it was what kind of baby do you hope it is or, or you know, what do you want when, you know, it's, it, it rounded out to where he said, I want a snowman. Oh. And so when Carrie was born, he, that got the nickname snowman and that's where snows comes oh, okay. from. Snows I didn't, I, right? I, that wasn't part of the show. That's some good information. Yeah, yeah, I, I was like, well, so why is it called Snows? And, of course, there you go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Tootsie told, told uh, Carrie, look, this, is, this can't be like a deal where you start this up and I come work with you. Because um, I, I don't think it was ever a case of work for you. I'm pretty sure they had a, an agreement, like, from the jump. Because mm-hmm. this wasn't her first rodeo by any means, as, as we just uh, explained. But she's like you got to be in it to win it basically. And he said, look, if, if I tell you it's going to happen, that's in stone, it's going to happen. And so they, I think they set it up initially to coincide Saturdays only because that's when the livestock auctions were taking place. And they knew that, you know, that would be a good day to have it. It was never like a, I mean, I think it's still one day a week. That's it. Saturdays yeah. is it. Saturday morning. So, and, and just, yeah, like the way they, they outlined, you know, the, the work that Tootsie started to do, I think she was actually in her mid to late 70s when she started with Snows. Mm-hmm. But I mean, waking up at, you know, I think she said she, did she say she woke up at one in the morning? Yeah, she, she says, you know, she works as a custodian still at the, at the Gideon, Gideon's High School, the home of the right. Bisons. And she, she says when she goes to bed on Friday nights, she sets her alarm at one for one. And, and then she's there by two. And she's there by two the next morning. Yeah, that's right. That's now, cool. if I set my alarm for one, <laughs> I had to be in bed at five <laughs> the night before. And you know she's not. You know she's not in bed by five. No. And at, at eighty and at, at eighty five years old, still doing this. And well, and doing work that would. I mean, I'm forty seven. She's doing work that would give me aches and pains in a heartbeat. I mean, this is the the the, the Texas Hill Country direct direct heat application of cooking on those block pits with uh, with the coals shovel burned down and shoveled underneath you know the <laughs> proteins 
that's it, it always makes me think of Rodney Scott's style of cooking on you mm-hmm. know in Carolina that that direct heat application and um, again you know just like Christopher Prieto at Prime Barbecue now over in uh, I think it's Nightdale North Carolina you know he's got you know he's he he knew he wanted to do it the same way as well you burn the wood down make mm-hmm. your own coals and go it that way that is incredibly labor intensive and never mind you can't walk away from what you're cooking for very long you have to be like on it if you think of stick burner uh side side firebox mm-hmm. fire going into a vessel is tough to run Just try shoveling coals all night she actually she actually picks the coals up with a shovel and then she walks across the room and they spread these coals under the under the meat like a, it's like a big it's like a big Weber kettle. It's not round. I mean, it's square, of course, but that's what you're cooking. And uh, and and the amount of meat that she cooks when in the in the in the documentary, um, hundreds of pork steaks. Um, yeah, after chickens. 2008, when, yeah. when when they became the number one joint in Texas for barbecue, I think it was 2008. They uh, yeah, it was. It's just that the sheer quantity of food they had to start putting out because of the numbers of people visiting um, was was you're not kidding those pork steaks I mean and there's like z- you know zero space between each pork steak and these are thick I mean these aren't skinny little cooking a minute pork steaks either they look like uh, I've seen pork butts at Publix cuts of meat called pork butt at Publix that were that thick <laughs> I know. you know you know seriously serious talk yeah and um, not not much different. That's true. I, I was listening, and I thought, and I'm like you, Kevin. I thought having Daniel Vaughn as kind of the the background historian on all this was was an was a uh, incredible use of talent there because I, if if anyone hasn't hasn't had a chance to listen to Daniel Vaughn, he uh, uh, as far as Texas barbecue goes, he is the guy. And uh, I heard him one time on an interview talking about how barbecue in Texas used to be a morning thing. So this opening up in the morning is kind of a tribute to the old, the old Texas ways of barbecue. They, they said they used to buy it in the morning and they would take it home in the afternoon and eat it for lunch and dinner. So it was kind of, it's kind of a weird, we look at it now as weird, but back in 1890, 1910, I'm sure it was, you know, the way they did things. Um, but having him there to explain everything that went on, you know, as far as the, the timeline, you know, having a few people line up before 2008, and then all of a sudden people are, are making um, pilgrimage to Snow's Barbecue in Lexington, Texas. To And he said, he said in the video, in the documentary, he said, they're there for one thing. He said, it's for the different the way this food tastes so differently, but to catch a glimpse of Tootsie Tominance running right. those pits. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, when you, when you watch this thing and you just see this person, um, I, don't, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I was just, you know, I was amazed. My mother is uh, 88, and, you know, she still mows the grass. And, oh, uh, Yeah, and um, there are, you know, there are people like that that just, you know, I think um, looking at this thing, and you know, she she when she had the personal tragedies, number one, of her uh, father or her husband dying, they had right. to sell the store. She had to stay home, and she and she said she was so lonely, and that's why she took that job at the school. And then when her husband passed away, um, they. Um, you know, she went, she went to work at the at the at the barbecue place still, and I think that's where she found solace was at her job, more than at home. And then when, and then uh, her her boss Carrie, the guy that owns the place, I don't know if it's with her or the guy that who who is snowman, uh, had Herschel come. That was Tootsie's home. right. Her son. Her son. And they weren't super no, close. Like, no. They, they didn't see eye to eye on a whole lot. That's and you could see that in her eyes when she talked yeah. about that. Reading between the lines, yeah. you could tell that they, I'm not saying they were estranged, but they were, like, not super close. Yeah. Yeah, she, you could tell she didn't approve 
of much that this young man did right. ever. And he threw them back there. And, you know, Kevin, I wonder if he didn't do that on purpose. If uh, Because, you know, there's a lot of guys out there are, are really smart. And, and and we don't know they're smart, but they're smart. <laughs> and Crazy and, like a fox. Yeah, and I wonder if he invited him there because he knew her heart needed healed and thought that maybe her son could do that. And in the documentary, she talks about that, how they did over, while, and it was yeah. a beautiful scene while they watched, while they worked the pits, they mm-hmm. talked it out and they, and she didn't say, it wasn't like, oh son, you know, I understand. It was like, you're an it idiot. You're an idiot. Yeah. Get off my back, mom. No, you're an idiot. It, it's, right. she didn't say that, but it was, you could tell it was that kind of a, 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 a friction conversation. And then pick up the story of what happens because this is this is where I think her life really changes. Well, uh, are you talking about just how they how what they happens what happens to, what like, happens to Herschel, her son? Oh, well, after they'd become this kind of more like more or less like a well-oiled tandem, like yeah. working well together. And and I, I want to say this real quick: any lasting change in life, uh, I, I think Steve, you'll agree, it, it doesn't happen without a lot of application of two things, heat and friction, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, look how the earth was formed for any evidence, if, you, if you're curious. But my point being is that over that amount of time they spent together, they, they, they grew much closer, and then she finds out from him that he's got brain cancer. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if you've personally known anyone who's gone through that. Steve, a really good friend of mine, his wife went through that and ultimately passed from it. And uh, that that was tough for me personally to watch that part of, you know, the 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 segment of that documentary. And, um, you know, they you know, I, I don't really know how to put it. I was just in fact, as I think back to it, it it's one of those deals where she, here she goes again through one of, you know, lo- losing a spouse and losing a child are both terrible events to take place in someone's life. But, but just nat- the natural way of things isn't to go right. to have your child leave this earth before you do, right? Right. So I can only imagine after they had grown closer um, through the application of their ta- talents and skills at those pits, as you said, and then you know he eventually succumbs to his illness as well. And then I think that's when she really, because early on when they, when the 2008 list came out and they got popular and people wanted to get their picture with Tootsie, I think she wasn't loving it at first. She just kind of wanted to be Mm -hmm. left alone so she could do her work. And I think after her son passed, she realized the healing power and the connectivity of the people that truly wanted to show her love by honoring the work that she did and, and, and really being, sort of part of what she and um, and Carrie had built there at Snows. Yeah, and let me let me just say this that Kevin Kevin and I are just we're 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 commenting on these observations on the things that we saw in the documentary. And I know uh, real life does not always parallel documentaries. So if there was if there's something that we don't know about, uh, sure. you know, forgive us, but we are not we're not privy to the private life yeah. of uh, Tootsie and her family. But the documentary was so poignant of pointing out that these of these life uh, these life changes that this woman went through. Um, and you know, Kevin, I've been around, and, and I, I am one. If if I'm a, I am a workaholic, and I've been around other people that are workaholics, and I believe in my heart that Tootsie Tominance, she is a workaholic. She cannot not work. Um, and there are people that on this earth I know. I would be one of them if I retired. I wouldn't last long because I've got I, there's a drive I have that I right. and I enjoy being at work. And and there have been moments in my own life where the only place I found solace was at work. Sure. If you see what I'm saying is a, a place where I feel where I feel the most comfortable. Not that I don't feel comfortable around my family, but sometimes. And I think that's what would I could really relate to Tootsie in that respect. That after her son died. She was at the work the next Saturday, and even Daniel yeah, Vaughn. Yeah. Daniel Vaughn says he asked her, "What are you what doing?" You do? Yeah, 
and, and she and she told him I, that's I, you know that I've got to you don't understand I've got to that's right yeah. and and again you know having Daniel do the work that he did for Tootsie's segment um you know, he he doesn't just know about her he he they're good friends he knows mm -hmm. her yeah. you know and and that personal that really just you know struck home with with the the way that he he talked about it and I I will say this as an aside one of the one of the best quotes and I think they actually maybe used it in the intro that Daniel said is you know these these pitmasters in Texas they'll they're not shy about telling you what they do and how they do it They'll give you every little tip and and and, and almost a play by play of how they do what they yeah. do. Then they'll sit back and look at you and say, "Good luck." Good luck. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Here comes here comes you one. Yeah, that, that's right. But but yeah, just just great. Like one of the things that um, I did a little digging into the the origins of Chef's Table in general. It's a, did you know that? Back, I think it was 2015 when they started the Chef's Table sort of vehicle. Um, it was, uh, again, just three years after the Jiro Dreams of Sushi deal um, that uh, that executive producer David Gelb was he directed. They pitched it to a lot of different networks, this idea of Chef's Table, and most passed very quickly on the idea, saying, no, thanks, primarily because it was a food show mm -hmm. with no host. And they right. couldn't wrap their brains around how they were going to be successful marketing and, and airing a food show with no central host figure. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Netflix was the one that took a chance. And, you know, here we are five years later, and I, they're still planning episodes to, to, to film. And it's pretty impressive. Well, if you nowadays, if you have a food show and there's not a guy with blonde, spiky hair screaming and yelling, uh, you know, pick the pick the oregano, pick the oregano, and if there's another another guy, the world's greatest host, saying, "Come on and beat me," you know, it's just not interesting to them. And uh, well, these these things are these. You know, chef's table is is on such a. a uh, there absolutely there is, but Forever. chef's table is on such a a, a higher oh, uh, yeah. production level. Just uh, way, way, way elevated. I mean, it's, it's just in my the way I looked at it is like, I you, you mentioned, you know, three guys that I'm pretty good friends with: Rob Bagby, Matt Barber, and Jim Elser. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I I know the time, effort, and and that and and the sweat and in cases, <laughs> you know, blood that they put into learning and honing their craft. Mm -hmm. I, I never felt like on any of the shows that they have all been on that they've been on a vehicle that honors that, like the chef's table vehicle honors the people they focus on. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because it, the other stuff's kind of so gamified, mm -hmm. like you said, that it doesn't really take time to really get some backstory, let us get to know the person. Like, just real quick, like that, I, we talked about this prior to, to coming on live, but you know, the, the portion of, of the show that, that dealt with, with Linux hasty, like, you know, Tootsie, every single episode, like Tootsie's episode, the one with Linux hasty, the one with Rodney Scott, and to an extent, the one with the Rosalia, right. Mm -hmm. Um, out of the Yucatan Peninsula, they all dealt with some sort of it, of level of being sort of, insecure doubting yourself having a some sort of like life story sort of that's that's either tragic or in in some other way like you know filled with a sense of loss and having to to recoup and regroup from that mm -hmm. that's just i mean the passion there is really what drives the series and i i see to see that levied um against you know the live fire cooking world which, you know, I mean, Instagram's got a lot of great pictures, mm -hmm. right? And everything's kind of a little showy. Um, and there was, there was flashes of that in Lennox's episode, but it, was, it, was, it, it wasn't flash or show because it looks good. 
it was flash or show that comes from that kind of French trained militaristic kitchen precision that he came up with. And because what he does is so freaking incredible. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, let's just, I mean, what was your take on that? Like walk us, give us the overview of, since I did Tootsie's give us the overview of Lennox's episode, Steve. I, I thought, I thought his, his intense demeanor, I don't know if he was acting that out or if that was, if that was the way he is. He had a chip on his shoulder yes. a little bit. Yes, and, and, this, yeah. and for people that who may not have watched it yet, make sure make sure you watch all four episodes because they're all equally as good. But this um, Lennox Hasty, he's in, he's in um, a French trained guy. Uh, he's from England, and uh, he has a place called the Fire, I think it's the Firebox or the Fire Pit or Fire, fire Door. Fire Door. Fire Door. Fire yeah, door in, um, in, um, I wrote uh, it down. It's in... Uh, Surrey Hills, Australia, which yeah. on the map, if you're looking at Australia, it's the southeastern coastline kind of between the Gold Coast, where our friend, mutual friend, I think uh, Ben Arnott with uh, Smoking Hot Confessions podcast mm -hmm. is from, and then down where uh, Victoria, so kind of halfway between each part of the area. So I, re I remember seeing him on an Anthony Bourdain episode in No Reservations. It was a long time oh. ago. Uh, yeah. this, this guy cooks everything with fire, no electricity, no natural gas, no LP gas, um, everything. It's uh, from, from steak to blackberries uh, to any, any, everything. Everything you order at this funky restaurant he has is cooked caviar. By, him, by him. Caviar. Yeah. Caviar. Salad. Yeah. And, um, kind, yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's, he's, so, uh, he's so busy. Uh, when he throws, uh, and it, it made one thing. One thing I, I heard the the one lady that they were interviewing, uh, the blonde lady, she said that if if and the, the guys didn't grill great. Oh, I just I had a long conversation with today. They ain't gonna want to hear this. But he said, uh, Lennox Hasty said, if if a piece of meat has a what do you say, a dark stripe or a dark place on it or something. Right. He's a, it's a tragedy. He called it's it a fake. tragedy. That's right. That's so if right. he he wouldn't be a fan of the uh, SCA and Brad Galloway right. and the guys. <laughs> he ain't, he's and, not turning the meat 45 degrees and setting it back down and patting it. Uh, right. I don't know how he but, does it. But but but, he, but that to me that's so you know pan seared like steel skillet pan seared you know nice delicious cuts of beef in the French style. It's not about those sear marks. And so he's he's bringing the smooth excellence and precision of like French style cooking in many cases. Um, and he's, he's incorporated some other things. Like again, you mentioned the Bourdain episode. That's when he was with um, his mentor at the time, the Victor uh, Agonzonis. I think it's like a ex-Bari in the Basque country of Northern Spain. And he was kind of in the background. Mm -hmm. And at the time I remember thinking, well, that's just another Spanish guy, whatever. I had no clue what this guy was about. Right. And now we're getting his backstory, which is so neat. But, but you know, that, that even, and, and Meathead does a good job of talking about the Maillard effect, you know, that pan-seared steak. That's mm -hmm. still my favorite. Like a skillet steak is my preferred way to eat a steak, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, the other, the, the crisscross hash marks are, are great. They look really cool. But, yeah, I want all that browning all over. Yeah. yeah. You want the hard crust, and he's uh, cooking two hundred day aged beef. Yeah, which is a yeah. whole another crazy part of that episode. That yeah. that was that was in that was insane uh, when they showed all that beef hanging. Uh, two hundred day aged beef uh, had some funky. He put was that what was he? But some sort of a fat he smeared on that he stuff. Melted fat. Yeah. Back onto it to protect any areas that might be kind of. Um, at risk during that aging process. That may be part of the process. I don't know. I don't yeah, I think I don't it was. It's kind of like what you put sometimes on, um, you know, with the charcuterie guys doing like, uh, you know, prosciutto. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll mix, uh, you know, rice flour and, and some other components to, to, to put, after a while, they'll put it on the, the exposed meat side of that ham to kind of seal it off mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah. The, uh, the, the video on the uh, Linux Hasty uh, documentary was was incredible because uh, so it's just fire after fire after fire and um, and the and the mechanisms he built. I mean, he's pulling coals out of 
this wall of like almost like blast furnaces that mm-hmm. they said it was so hot it could melt glass. Yeah, and that's and, that, and that's crazy. where he's where he starts all of his other fires from. Yeah, um, and, it's, it, and it's fine dining to order, so it's not like I'm cooking a prime these cuts only. So I'll get used to these cuts. It's mm-hmm. it's like you said. It's 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 everything from from cuts of protein we're used to seeing to to more delicate things like berries and caviar and Proms. lettuce, prawns, Shrimp, yeah. prawns uh, uh, all that, all that stuff. Seafood. And none of that stuff is cooked at precisely the same temperature for the same amount of time. It's not like you're throwing fish and French fries in the oven at 400 and letting it go. <laughs> and I liked what he said. He says, you never controlled the fire. He said, you just maintain the fire. You guard the it, it fire. It controls the situation. Yeah, you yeah. try to work with it. Yeah. That's right. That was interesting. You know, getting That's back. Like I've seen a backdraft with a crazy guy and like, yeah, uh, yeah. Donald Sutherland's character. If, uh, and I, you know, I tell you, I, I tell you, I believe, I believe that too. Um, Kevin, a few years ago, we had a, a big fire at my gas station. And it, <laughs> if you don't think a fire has a personality, sit, sit 30 yards and look into a garage and you can almost see its eyes. I mean, it's a, it's a it's an incredible, incredible picture of the way a fire dances, and the only thing it's doing is it's looking for oxygen, That's and, right. and, that, and, it, and it will go anywhere to get it. And, and well, look and, at what's happened in California. That, yeah, right and that's now. when it becomes a monster. Uh, I mean, I mean yeah. we're talking fire. We're not talking about our little, our little uh, pellet, our pellet cooker fires in the <laughs> in the pot. Our little <laughs> our little Myron mixing uh, water cooker <laughs> fires. We're not talking about that, man. We're talking. And that's why this guy cooks. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why he's cooking. I mean, he's he's cooking on ferocious, ferocious fires. Uh, getting back to Tootsie, you know, at yep. the at the very end of the documentary, when her son passes away, she she has to go back to work, and she especially goes to Snows because that's probably where I'm, I'm sure she feels most comfortable, and sure. and the people she was amazed at the patrons that were coming in. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry for your loss. She said she was just overwhelmed and couldn't believe that many people cared. And, uh, you know, we, we never know how many people really care for us until we go through a tragedy. And, Do you uh, remember the one, the one lady that said, I will forever love the memory of your son because when I was here with my two kids, he gave them each a silver dollar. Yeah. And she didn't know that. No. You know, she, she didn't know that. And then and she probably felt a lot of pride in that. She, she probably thought maybe... You know, maybe I've reached him in, into a level where he, uh, you know, he has become a better, a better person. And, um, but you, you could tell that um, she, she loosened up to the crowd. And, you know, you can see recent pictures of her. Uh, she, she's got a little, you know, I don't know if you saw the thing I played at the beginning. I, I pulled some yeah. pictures offline. She got a little swagger now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, she, was, she had to care for her, care for her husband for so long. And then, right. you know, care for her son. She said that when her son, her son had to go to a nursing home, she went there every day because he couldn't walk. So she right. she she came to love him so much. Of course, you, a mother always loves her son. There's, you know, there's that saying a mother will say, you know, there's nothing you can do to make me not love you. And she went to that nursing home every day and, and cared for him. So I think, I think, Kevin, she finally got to go, I'm all alone. And remember at the beginning of that documentary, she said, I can take care of myself. I'm used to being. That's I'm how used she was this. raised. Yeah. Self-sufficient. Yeah, That's I'm right. used. I'm used to this, and mm-hmm. I think she finally got to exhale, and say, "All right, I'm going to be. I'm going to be Tootsie the celebrity now. It's, it's my turn." And and, and I'm going to be okay with reaching out and connecting with others, to maybe get a little bit of assistance and mm-hmm. help. You right. know, like that healing power that the the people who come to, to see her do her thing at Snows is just. Uh, that's pretty powerful. Hey, let's, uh, we got time. It's the internet. Let's talk about uh, the Rodney Scott episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Rodney Scott, of course, the uh, whole hall cooker from um, Hemingway, South Carolina, mm-hmm. opens up a, a restaurant in um, Charleston, South Carolina, and it's uh, mm-hmm. apparently uh, just a boom town for him. Of course, he is a, uh, a, uh, a Beard Award uh, winner. Which is very unusual. I think the, uh, I think uh, Aaron Franklin was a nominee. I think he got to, to taste it, but didn't get it. But uh, Rodney Scott got it, and um, the 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 documentary that they do on Rodney 
is uh, you talk about a, I'm going to say rags to riches because I don't know his, I don't know his situation now, of course, but you could tell his situation on the rags part. You know what? You know, oh, well, you talk about looking up at, and actually, Dr. Conyers, um, the, the, those of you who list watching right now, he, he's the, the NASA rocket scientist mm -hmm. who um, also does whole hog cooking and actually grew up in a neighboring county, I think. Right. Right there next to, to Rodney Scott. Told me that story that we saw in the documentary before I saw it in the documentary about Rodney saying how he would look up at those airplanes, those jets airliners going across the sky mm -hmm. and wonder where they were going what kind of people are on them can they see me where i am all the way down here and and yeah i would say rags to riches 100 percent. yeah uh roger scott talks about uh he was alone a lot when he was a child and he's very very interesting yeah, he's the only child yeah, yeah only child a very introspective self uh uh coming out party that he had i thought for this documentary um you know he, he didn't want to work uh, the 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 most uh, the most telling chilling fact or chilling part of the episode was when he graduated from high school and all his friends were going to go out and his dad says you got to be at work at midnight tonight to cook hogs and the girl what the girl said to him yeah you'll be nothing because you see, you're not going anywhere except down the road to cook them hogs. And then his dad said, you need to be at work at midnight. Now, could you imagine a graduation night uh, from high school or college or anything, any big deal, uh, where your dad says, uh, you ain't going nowhere, you're going to go to work. And, and, and it's not like I'm, you're going to go sit in front of the computer and broker freight. You're going to work work. You're going into a hot room yeah. and, and get greasy. And, and the margin of error is like yeah, and you're going to poke. That's, you're going to poke the family's income you're poke, messing with. Poke yeah. dead keep, dead pigs all night. That's and right. uh, you know, uh, welcome, welcome to the family, son. Uh, Real life, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then when he had that, I really, I really, really connected to him when he's talking about he had that fire. Hmm. It burned. It, it ruined his business on a Thanksgiving day. He said he what he had twenty four hogs. Oh, uh, they were loaded up. Yeah, uh, what, forty or fifty turkeys, and yeah. the and the pit burned down. And uh, well, por pork pork fat and fire that is no joke. Oh no, it's. People start oh, fires with it, you know. People, I mean, that's what people pit guys. They, you know, they soak brown. They soak the brown butcher paper, and that's what they use to start their fires with. Um, and then uh, take it up from there, Kevin, because this uh, this guy Jack, um, what was his last name? His Rodney's partner, or Jim? It's, is it? Or is it's it Nick? escaping me right now. I don't have it. I don't have it. But 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 this guy was kind of a mentor. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, maybe not mentor, but a, a guide for Rodney's career. Well, he's a true fan of what Rodney yeah. was doing, and you know, it's there was the issue of like, well, how do we? Because at the time, I think this might have been before he opened his restaurant in Charleston. I think that right. Oh yeah, he was this guy. Yeah. This guy who was his mentor. He just liked going he, to Hemingway and eating the food there. Well, he read about him in the New York Times when the when the New York Times came because. Yep. The new, somebody in the New York Times did a John story. John T. On, yeah. John T. wrote it. Uh, he's the guy that started, um, among the others, started the Southern Foodways Alliance. Right. Uh, that's John John mm -hmm. T. That's right. He wrote the article for the New York Times. And um, I think he was in the documentary too, wasn't he? I think what? he might have been. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. the that was the, the guy who who kind of comes out and talks about the history of whole hogs for a minute. But it, mm, okay. it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. And anyway, he uh, he read about Rodney Scott. Of course, everybody. Rodney said that uh, after that article, he said people from all over the United States were coming to Hemingway, South Carolina, which apparently is right. a, it's a, it's like a, an Udawat, an Udawat, yeah. Tennessee. It's a wide spot in the road. It's right. not, a, it's not a, uh, it's not a gathering. Well, a a gathering lot of people place. who were around that area, adjacent to Hemingway, they always said, "Oh, don't go to Hemingway. It's dangerous. There's a lot of drugs, mm -hmm. and it's a danger. Don't go there, you know, by yourself." and and he's like, actually, it was real quiet, and like, not a whole lot really ever happened. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. And he, but, but he had to rebuild this, uh, this, this pit house, and you know, he didn't have a place to do it, and and I guess the suggestion was made that he should kind of go do some pop-ups around, not just around South Carolina, but it seemed like pretty much all over the Southeast at least. Um, 
and uh, and people loved it. They 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 would watch what he had what he did, and and they, you know, these. If you think it's rare to go even to the Carolinas now, which it is, and find someone doing that kind of pit style whole hog cooking, imagine. Like I talked to a buddy of mine who wasn't really familiar with any of this before he watched the episode. He's like, "Did you see all that work he was doing? Oh my gosh!" Because you know, even if you have a a barbecue place that's doing really good food, um, if they're serving any kind of volume, they're probably using an old hickory or a Southern Pride or some sort of gas assist, you know, propane wood. Yeah, just to try to get the volume cranking through, and so. He would get like standing ovations from people in these places, yeah. and I think at the end of the day, like it was, it was Rodney Scott in exile. I think they called the yeah. tour. It's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and he, I think he said they they managed to raise like eighty grand, you know, over time of him putting in the, the long hours of making the trips and doing the stuff, and and um, and they were to kind of get that built back again. Yeah, yeah they built that new pit room there in Hemingway. And uh, it was more modern, uh, had the, had the uh, you know, the compartmentalized pig troughs and um, just a lot nicer than what they were, what they were, had been cooking on. And then this guy talks him into uh, He leaving. kept needling him. Yeah. His mentor kept saying that through, over the years, even during this time where he was trying to do the pop-ups, you should really, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I liked what he said. He goes, uh, he said after they wrote that article about him, uh, this fellow asked Rodney Scott, he said, all right, Rodney, after all these newspaper clippings have turned to yellow and they're on the bulletin boards and mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing, you know, where, you know, what about, what about Rodney Scott? Yeah. And Rodney said, I couldn't answer it because he had no plan. You that know, was great. He, he said, nobody in, he said, nobody in Hemingway, South Carolina had a bunch of restaurants. No kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so he goes to Charleston and opens up this restaurant, and apparently it was with his, with his mom's graces and not so much dad. And right. um, well, so. I think I think it, they didn't say this, but they made a point of saying that Rodney was clear about saying it was going to be separate from the family's initial business. It wasn't going, and and I I don't know the family, and I'm just speculating here, but I wonder if the fact that Rodney's efforts, if Rodney's efforts in Charles in, in Charleston we're going to feed and be part of the original business and like feed financially yeah. into all that. I, I wonder maybe look money and family. That's right no there. joke. Yeah. That can, that and, can. I, and again, I don't, I don't know anything. I'm just, just you and me talking and speculating, but that's exactly what I regardless, thought. Regardless, there was a little bit of a rift that apparently mm-hmm. formed between he and his father. Yeah. And as of the end of that documentary, that, that rift still existed. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, it, it's like like his buddy said, uh, you know, it's hard to leave your family. It, it's bad for Rodney, bad for his family, but sometimes you got to go. You know, you, you got to do what's best for yourself. And, well, uh, it's, been, it's been good for elevating and, and making more people aware of that mm-hmm. style of cooking, you know. And I'm not, I'm not you know, trying to, to, you know, de-emphasize the family aspect, but, but now Rodney's got the, you know, well— 2018, like you mentioned, he wins the James Beard Award, mm-hmm. um, and you know not only does he not have the the Charleston location, but now he's got I think a Birmingham, Alabama location. Looking at Atlanta. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, really, right now, as far as you know, black-owned businesses in barbecue, like right now, it's he and and Brian Furman with Bees Cracklin right now are the ones that are really kind of because I think Brian's got an Atlanta and a Savannah, Georgia location. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both dealt with fires. I mean, I guess barbecue restaurants, doing it old school, you're going to, that's the risk, right? Yeah, working you know, working a gas station. I wonder what liability insurance is for a fire. Uh, if you tell them you're going to be mm-hmm. cooking over, you know, direct heat with pork <laughs> fat. Like, I wonder how that goes down. That's kind of be crazy. I, I can tell you how much it is for a garage that's had a fire. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. They don't give it to you. <laughs> no. It's like Florida and wind damage. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, how much is uh, how much is hurricane insurance? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the, in the keys. Uh, oh, right. The 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 whole the whole Rodney Scott thing was um, 
it was it was him, I think overcoming, um, I, I don't know, overcoming a, a guilt of leaving his family maybe, and then, um, but 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 becoming uh, popular and not only just a great place to eat. I mean, by your peers and by every. I mean, I'm talking peers in the United States, North America, with the James Beard Award. Uh, for the Southeast Chef of the right. of the year, uh, when you right. think of all the restaurants in the southeastern United States, uh, they zero in on Rodney Scott, uh, who they showed making the uh, banana pudding. Uh, you know, uh, and, and that you was know, that was a cool yeah. scene, wasn't and, it? And, and you know, kind of putting that together, yeah. Kevin. That's what I think of when I think of these guys. When I think of Tootsie and and Rodney. Um, you know, they're not working in. Uh, you know, they don't have a sous chef. They don't have a, you know, a staff. You know, they're not with the white hats and the, and, and those guys are great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, these guys, you know, they're up early making the barbecue, you know, smelling like smoke. Uh, you know, they, they you know, all right, I got to put that log on there. I'll shovel those coals in there. Let me, let me run in here and peel some potatoes for this potato salad real quick. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're multitasking back there because that, because they're all family relative, they're all family and relative recipes you know his yeah, mother from the, from the, the mom for sure yeah mama's I, I banana think, pudding that's right i think rodney's probably got a little more help these days you know, yeah Rocket, oh, you know, oh there's no doubt in fact, I, yeah so but but you're right um and and i think you know rodney specifically now because he has trusted people that are running pits and doing things now he can get a little breathing room and a little space to think and plan and and continue to grow i mean that's that's the obstacle. I mean, you're, you're a small business owner, man. Like, you know, imagine what you could do if you had a right hand person, male, female, whoever, who could do everything you do as good as you want them to do it. And it would free you up to plan your next move and grow and do whatever. I mean, I don't know where you are with your business on that front, but I got to imagine that would be a pleasant thing to, to have handy. Well, yeah. Anytime you can get somebody you can trust, uh, you know, it's, it boils down to one thing. Who are you going to trust with the money? And, and right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the bottom line, Kevin. Who, who, you know, who are you going to trust with the money? Because at the end of the day, you know, you know, you can say, oh, it's about making that customer happy. It's about, you know, fixing Mrs. Smith's tire. It's about having a good barbecue sandwich for Mr. Jones. But it's, it's about the do-re-mi. Don't get, don't, don't think it's about anything else. It's about the money. And you've got to have somebody to trust. And uh, I hope, I hope Rodney does have somebody like that. Uh, he's got oh, that. He's got that partner. Yeah. That might be his. That might be his function in the corporation is to look after the money. Um, but the, uh, you know, at the end of it, uh, you know, I felt I felt real real good, real happy that Rodney had accomplished. I mean, that's the pinnacle of what he does. I mean, you don't get any higher than the James Beard Award. Uh, that's it. You know, and he's still a young man. Um, you know, he seemed content. Um, you know, with a little regret, but who, you know, who doesn't among us? Sure. Who doesn't? Sure. Um, but you could tell he's not done. Exactly. That's what I was going You know to. what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. I, I just felt like there's something you could, you could almost, you, he didn't say it, but you could see it in his eyes, you know, you, you know, tune in in seven more years and they do part two. Yeah. That's you right. You know, you know, and, you know he's, watch it. He's bringing, he's bringing a lot of people along with him, but not in a way that they're hangers on. I mean, it, I imagine if you're working for a Rodney Scott situation, oh, you're working. Like, it's serious, and you better be getting after it. And there's no, like, just showing up, and it's going to be fine, and you'll just squeak by and, you know, come in late every now and again. But you hang – he seems like the kind of guy that if you hang with him and show him some loyalty and get in there and work, you're going to learn a lot about the craft of barbecue, mm-hmm. right? but you're also going to grow with your opportunities, you know, over time. And I really, I liked, I liked that. I got that vibe from him. Well, I think the person in the, who's cooking those hogs in the back, uh, I mean, there's your MVP in the restaurant right there. Yep. yep. Um, I mean, you know, that, that's got to be, that's got to be done. And he has, I mean, the, the, the ways he did, he did show a little bit more. They showed a little bit more cooking in that episode they did. than they did with Tootsie because right. he was explaining to his son and I mm, thought it was, was I, yeah, that was so yeah. Great. And I, I thought it was really neat the way he was cutting, cutting the hands and cutting the, uh, the the butt area uh, to in, impose smoke there. 
he said, you got to get smoke in here. You got to, the only way you can do that is, you know, cut it here. And he was pulling off the membranes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that was really, really interesting. I still want to know what he does with those heads because you very seldom see a head, you know, when you're talking whole hog, you know, you could do, right. you could, I've seen all the, uh, the videos and the docs on uh, Sam Jones and uh, you don't see one head, <laughs> you no. know, you just see all that, that pig and that's all. But and uh, I'm glad they, I'm glad they put that in there because, you know, when like every year and, and you should check this out, man, like in um, Milledgeville, Georgia, which I believe, I think Milledgeville might be like the bird dog capital of like the South or the world or something. But, but they have a deal where, um, no, I'm sorry, that's Waynesboro. But anyway, the, um, the issue is John Jackson with Comfort Farms, a veteran-owned operation. It's like an acute care agricultural center where vets can come and heal and work the farm and, mm -hmm. and do that kind of thing. Um, you know, every year they have a boucherie event in January where they, you know, celebrate all that the farm has raised and, and process it and deal with it. And it really puts you into a deep understanding of the sacrifices involved in farming and time, mm -hmm. effort, labor, and, and, and the circle of life aspect that takes place. And the fact that they had the, you know, the head there in the shot, you know, with the Rodney ha um, Scott episode, it's just a reminder that the proteins that are cooked here don't, don't just come from a cardboard tray or a styrofoam oh, tray at the no. supermarket. I mean, and they, I like they included the activity of caring for the animals and, you know, the care and attention that he was sh showing his son on how this is what I had to do every day growing yep. up, you know, like, you know, the shoes you're wearing, you know, the, the, the life you live right now, that didn't come from nowhere. Right. Right. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about how all this came to be kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, and that's, that's being a good father. Absolutely. You know, just being a good father. Kevin, it's been a joy, an absolute, yeah, man. an absolute great time. Um, Everybody, check it out. Netflix, uh, Chef's Table, uh, Tootsie Tomer, Tootsie Tomerance, Tominance. Tominance, uh, that's Duffman, Tominance, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you wonder, what, what is Tominance? I mean, her That's her husband. Oh, Czech or You know, Texas like, is weird. They, yeah, they've got a lot of... Lots of Germans Eastern, and Yeah, Czech Eastern European. Yeah. Shining. That's where all that good beer comes Doug, from. Doug Shining. You know, where, what's up that's with right. that? Shinerbach. Yeah. That's uh, Lennox Hasty and... Um, is it Rosalia or Rosalia? Rosalia. Rosalia. Rosalia uh, in the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah. Uh, Chuk, Chuk, and um, like Chai Chuk. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that was a good I'm one. Sorry, that that coach Anita Pabil, That that is a process that's really cool, and it reminds you a little bit about what you see even in like Polynesia and the Hawaiian Islands with like in the ground kind of cooking. That's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, all four are good. Um, and and like we said at the beginning of the show, it was good. I mean, it was real good to see barbecue uh, people, live fire uh, cookers that um, shown in a um, an elevated light uh, that that they're not just uh, smack talking uh, guys cooking on pellet grills. That you right. know, there really is a craft out there. And right. um, and you know, Kevin, as I as I continue my journey through barbecue, I really, really, I really become. More and more, in, it's more and more enjoyable talking about the Rodney Scotts, the Tootsies, the uh, the the Lennox, the uh, all the uh, even the guys here in local in town, the uh, the the barbecue guys here that uh, that man the pits and the restaurants, and it, it's a lot of fun to go back and watch them, you know, do do what they do for people because it, it is a hard job, and, yeah. Uh, so few of them get rewarded. And um, and it's a it's a it's a it's a very interesting industry that we are fans of, and and, yeah. and what makes it interesting there's so many facets and so many layers to it, and this is one layer that I'm really glad that Netflix uh, yep. chose to show, and we're well, all the, and, we're all the better I, for it. And I'll mention real quick, you you shared something with me not long ago about you know those Saturday mornings that take place at your shop, man. Like people just kind of want it. they're thirsty and hungry for knowledge they want to mm -hmm. learn they want to hone their skills they want to they want to talk about it they want to mm -hmm. um you know what do you use this is what i do and uh somebody will overhear them saying well this is what i do use this it's great it, it, it's it's fantastic kevin thank you thank so you. much i sure appreciate yeah, no you my pleasure we'll just do it again we'll right. um we'll uh next good documentary series we'll hook up all right <laughs> that sounds like a plan all right kevin thank you so much kevin right. sandridge from the barbecue Ooh. beat 
podcast. You can hear him. Uh, uh, you can hear him everywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Kevin Sandridge, the Barbecue Beat podcast. Tune him in. Lots of good stuff. Kevin's got a vast array of guests, and uh, he uh, he's one of the best one of the best interviewers in the business. Don't forget, come and see us at the Owl's Nest Barbecue Store, Supply Store, and Pro Shop in Ottawa if you're traveling up and down I-75, Netflix, Chef's Table. If you get Netflix, watch it. You will not be disappointed. And until next Thursday, fellas, my friends, I bid you farewell, good luck, and good night. You're like the cool guy in my phone, just so you know, so.